0: Hello, and welcome to this live recording from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. So sit back, listen in, and enjoy what God's got to say to you. Thank you to those who led us in praise. Always good to enter the kingdom of God in praise and worship. Folk, um, sometimes it's easy when you're not going through a series uh, Because it's a little bit easier to be able to choose passages about joy and happiness and wonderful stuff. But uh, this month, the next month, we're going through a series uh, in the book of Acts uh, by my spirit. And frustratingly, the passage today is about Ananias and Sapphira, the danger of deception. So I'm one of a group of pastors, four of us, who are part of the preaching planning, and so... Had it been my choice, I would not preach on it, but uh, it's part of the gig. And so we carry on preaching the unadulterated Word of God. And part of it today is about deception and about two people, ironically, whose names uh, mean something. And Ananias in Aramaic means the grace of God. And uh, Sapphira signifies sapphire, something precious something beautiful. Sadly, uh, they were horribly deceived and led astray because of deception and the condition of their heart. And so even stories like this have got an amazing message and are good news. They're good news because they help us to see what the pigsty can look like and what it does look like, and they help us to actually turn away. And so Acts chapter 5 Verses 1 to 11 is the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Acts 5, verses 1 to 11. It says, Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Clearly that's a sign from above. (laughs) When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. Great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out of the bury and buried him. But three hours later his wife came in. Not knowing what had happened, Peter asked her, Tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. It is easy for me to stand here this morning and say, Brothers and sisters, you are not praying enough. Brothers and sisters, you're not giving enough. That's easy to say, but that's not the message. (laughs) Because we can never pray enough, and we can certainly not give enough. And so there are a couple of lessons to be learned here, I believe. I think some background information would help us to try and understand this passage. It was a peculiar state of things that allowed something like this to take place. There were temporary circumstances because at the time people came in to Jerusalem and so at that particular time perhaps the opportunity to go back to where they were didn't exist. Some knew that persecution was about to take place. Some might have been in a difficult situation, difficult circumstances, and so they might have felt that when Christ said he will uh, die and the temple will be raised in three days and his return will be, might have anticipated this so seriously that they had wanted to sell their possessions. If you and I knew that the end was coming tomorrow, I mean, I certainly would eat as many Tim Tams, Um, You say, not good for you, and I agree with you, but because they're so delicious, I would do as much as I possibly can to enjoy myself knowing, and hopefully not sinning, knowing that Christ will come tomorrow, and my heart will be ready. And so some people had said, well, I don't need my possessions, and so I will sell my land, I will sell my possessions, because of the urgency that Christ was coming back. So they had this general fund that they would all put their money in. And that's important to understand the background. Never do we read that it's not good to have money. I think the point here is that there is a condition of the heart. Let me start off by saying there is nothing wrong with having money. The problem comes in when money has you. Clearly, that's what took place with Ananias and Sapphira. And so people would sell their possessions, put them into a general fund, and people were able to live out of that general fund. Now, they didn't have to do that. That was a choice. Because that principle of selling your possessions and your land was never a rule. It was a principle. P-R-I-N-C-I-P-L-E. It was a principle that you could uh, give of your possessions to this common fund. It was given to help. It was never laid down as a rule or regulation by the apostles... In the New Testament. And so, as people felt the need to sell their possessions, they gave to a common fund. We know that it is definitely necessary for anything to exist. We know that there are people that are less off uh, or less fortunate as we are, and so we need one another. And so, clearly, people were selling and giving some of their possessions, giving uh, some more than others to that common fund to help those who were in better need. We know that all people can't do this. But it is a a privilege to be able to, to get some of what you are depending on yourself and give back to the poor. I will never forget, and you might have heard me tell the story before, there was a situation where I was first year at Bible college and one of my African friends, Peter Mokomele, was in third year um, he black man and wasn't able to possess a car under the apartheid era and things like that. And I, he invited me to come to his house, 600 kilometres away, a place called Kurman and uh, we drove there. And I said to him, I said, why are you coming to Bible college? You know, who would you be able to preach in those rural community? Are you going to evangelize the cows? You know. And he said, no. Why don't you come with me? So we got into my car and we drove. To Kurman, And I spent uh, about five days with him in his village. On the way there, my car broke down. And uh, so while well, having possessions, it doesn't help if they don't work. Um, and so we got some little kids to push the car. Uh, and as soon as the car got started, I pulled up the handbrake and normally had some loose coins in my ashtray. And uh, took some coins to give to these little guys. He said, no, don't do that. I said why not He said because every time they see a white man They will expect money Clearly I've learned a life lesson That was in 1989 I've learned my lesson there Why do I tell you the story Because even poor people Need to give And he, and he learned me He taught me that life lesson Which I've held close to my heart That even if I have very little I still need to give out of my poverty If that makes sense because it's on a condition of my heart. No wonder people swap uh, a little bit of sugar for a bit of salt and things like that. We, we swap, but even when somebody does not have a little bit, we need to give them out of our own difficult situation. This principle that was laid down uh, was a principle and not a law or a regulation. I think it's important to say that part of our faith in Christ allows us to naturally give. What I mean by naturally give, you begin to appreciate what you have. And you begin to say, well, whatever I have is not given to me or it's not because of my own strength, but I know it's because of the grace of God. And because of the grace of God, I'm able to give a little bit back to Him and pass on some of those possessions I have from Him. Still part of the background. Uh, Those who were able to give were, as I said earlier, uh, able to give to a common fund because there were some people who needed more sympathy and compassion than others. And so that common fund would be distributed to those who were Christians as well as non-Christians. And so uh, we belong to Kubi Cares, or certainly give to Kubi Cares. And not everybody who we give to, we say, well, Gary... It's a non-Christian organization. Gary, who heads up Kubi Cares, we don't say, well, you only give to Christians. No, we give because it is a privilege for us to be able to give. And some of that gets distributed to those, or sorry, all of that gets distributed to those in need. And so we impart some of what we have to those in need, whether they are Christian or non-Christian think it was also hard times that led them to giving. Hard times because of the situation they find themselves in. And so the church gives liberally. We are to excel in giving. We are to do really well in giving of what we have to those who are in need. That money should go wherever the need is. And so Ananias and Sapphira knew about this. And then Before we look at their sin, I want to say that the state of things became a snare and a stumbling block for Ananias and Sapphira. Because here are great opportunities that we can give of ourselves and of our possessions. And instead of taking those, they use them and abuse them for themselves. And that is difficult. Because the temptation of the heart is always a problem that can easily trip us up. And deceive us. And so you look at the state of circumstances that you find yourself in. There is always to do the pressure of doing what others are doing. And so if somebody is able to give of their wealth, give because of their wealth circumstances, we might not always be able to do the same. But we find that there is pressure to be able to do the same. And so that is the important background that I want us to try and understand, or else we'll see no good that comes out of the story. Getting into the story now, uh, let's look at the sin and the the frustration of Ananias and Sapphira. I think, firstly, we see the pretense of the whole process, the the pretense of the whole uh, process. We know that those who were able to give, it's because of the divine influence that God has penetrated their heart with. And so they give forth of the fruit that God has blessed them with. But sadly, they are pretending to do what is going on in their hearts. And that's dangerous, you see. There is a, a, a rule in the Hebrew Bible of the Old Testament called korban. And Korban says, I bring a sacrifice, and it's a sacrifice of praise. It's a sacrifice of offering in appreciation for what God has done for me. Often we would present sacrifices because of our sin, because of our our moving away from God. And so if you had a, a smaller sin, you would need to bring a dove. The bigger the sin, the bigger the sacrifice. Korban said that we bring a sacrifice of praise. Uh, back to God. And so they felt the pressure of giving back, just as everybody else had been given back. But they went through the whole process of pretense. Now, folk, I find this interesting because it's hard work to pretend Christianity. It's drudgery. Because eventually, you know what, that makeup will melt and you'll be caught out. And it's hard work. It's hard work to fake something. And so, rather say that you don't give or you don't want to give. But instead, these people were pretending. And that's what lies and deception do. The title of the sermon is, The Danger of Deception. And that's dangerous because I need to lie and cover up on those lies and the snowball effect. And before I know it, I'm caught in my own degradation. The danger of deception and the pretense of this whole process. Secondly, these two people were planning the whole process. It's not a thing that was done uh, by sudden temptation. They had their object. They formed their plan. They had planned to deceive. How could they even go and pray after this? And that's the dangerous part where we carry on in our own stupidity, I might add, (laughs) and we go through the religious process, but our hearts can be far from God. The planning in this whole process. It's not as if they said, you know what, oh my goodness, we slipped up. They had planned to sell, they had planned to deceive. It didn't just happen overnight. It happened through a planning process. Folks, sin doesn't just, oh goodness, spur of the moment. Some of them do. But a lot of our sins are planned. And that's dangerous. Thirdly, there is this public lie Not only to the apostles and to the the people around because of maybe having to to find the pressure of being able to, to give back. But there's this public lie to the creator of the universe, to God. And so they lied to the apostles, they lied to those people, and they lied to God himself. How sad is that because we think that we can deceive God. We think that we can lead God astray, as it were, because we're in control and we're in charge. Sadly, that's not the case here, the public lie. The fourth one is this sad situation where there's this professional ploy that would be involved in humanity. The professional ploy that would be involved in Ananias and then also in Sapphira. Because we read in verse 4, they were... They, they were conceived in their heart. This whole idea of... that They placed this, this commitment of deception in their hearts. And that word um, conceived um, has got to do with dissimi, uh, which means um, they committed themselves in their heart to lead astray, if you like. And that's dangerous. I'm planning, I'm planning, I'm planning. And sadly, folks, through free will... God gives us over to our own free will. Read about it in Romans chapter 1. When we plan to deceive, God gives us over to that. And so I really believe that, that when we stumble and fall and there's remorse, God forgives. But when we are, are planning something that God is in and we are there to deceive, that's dangerous. Because it's got to do with the, the word that's used there is heart, cardia and interchangeably used with psyche, mind. The connection there, they had planned to deceive, and it was a professional ploy, I suggest to you, because that's what they wanted to do. Eventually lying to God, and they pretend to be good. Then there's that prompting of the sin, the prompting of the sin. It says, then Peter said in verse 3, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart? Now, folk, in Ephesians 5.18, it says that we should not get drunk on wine that leads to debauchery. In other words, who's controlling your heart? Because if it's alcohol and drugs, then you're led to debauchery, the the sins of the flesh, the works of the flesh. But then Paul tells us, don't get drunk on those things, but be filled. Same root word that's used in the Greek, plero. What is crammed in your heart is what that word means. What does your heart confirm for you? What is right, what is wrong before the eyes of God? How is it that Satan has so filled your heart? Folk, when Satan comes and knocks on our heart's door, and he does, he doesn't say, you Christian, I'm not going to come near your door. When he comes, it's how we entertain that temptation. How we entertain that prompting of Satan or the prompting of the Holy Spirit. You see, it was the, the, the indulgence of Satan in Ananias and Sapphira's heart that actually allowed them to turn their way away from God and not trust God even in difficult circumstances. Lying to God and the prompting of their sin. Maybe they too felt the pressure. I can relate to that, the pressure of coming and saying, here here is the fruit of the sale of my land. Just as everybody is sold, we too want to contribute to the fruit of something good because God has blessed us. But sadly, their hearts were in a difficult position. So what is the punishment in all of this? Because we know that that the wages of sin are death. And so there is punishment in this. We see that it was extreme. This punishment was extreme. It was instantaneous, uh, we read in verse 5 there. They fell down, and uh, the Greek word there, ex-psycho, we know the word psyche is a psyche, kind of how we function, ex. They had expired, is the literal translation there, Pete. They had expired. They had... um, in the next slide, there, brother. Uh, so the poor man has worked so hard last night, he only got home quite late with a hymn fest and up early this morning. So, there we go. And, and so, just before that one, um, we, we see that there, there's this extreme punishment. Extreme punishment and, and um, it being instantaneous. And folks, that's because of hypocrisy, I want to suggest to you. Because of hypocrisy. The terrible thing that must have taken place in their hearts and the danger of deception. You begin to see this this gazing of the evil one on their lives and the hypocrisy that takes place. To To be able to say one thing and do something else... If it's deceiving the world, well, that's part of the gig. The world does not come to say, hey, because you're a Christian, we want to be nice to you. No, the danger is that when you try and fake when God is not filled and overflowing, pliro, in your heart, it's easy to be fake. But that easiness of being fake is hard work in return, I suggest to you. Is there a contradiction there? Absolutely not. Because it's hard work to be able to fake something that you're not full of. It's trying to... I remember being a producer at the South African National Broadcaster and all these people would come in and they would have makeup on their faces. And the longer they sat under those hot lights, you could, you know, you could see the makeup start running. Why? You kind of go... oh. I mean, they're able to patch hair on people who don't have hair and do all funny, amazing things. But eventually, the heat, when it's turned on, melts who the real person is. Hypocrisy, hypocrites. Hypo under the plumb line. And so, here is a person who comes underneath what the actual plumb line is, but thinks that they're on top. It's hard work to get, not only to the plumb line, but to get on top. The hypocrisy there. And then we see that, that Peter doesn't punish him. It's not sin against Peter, per se. It's sin against God. And who comes in? Sapphira. And she uh, is just as bad as it were. And not only do they deceive the Peter, the public, as I said earlier, they deceive the true and living God. And I think there's a, a reason to fear. As these people around see the punishment, fear, the Bible says, creeps into their heart. And fear, the Bible says in verse 5, came over all of them. You kind of go, well, if I saw something like that, clearly I would fear. May that be a warning. May that be a warning. Because that too could happen to me. You say, well, not me. Because you know what, if I do, I don't have any possessions, number one. Number two, well, if I do, I'm certainly going to give. And number three, you know what, if I do sell and want to give, I'll make sure that I give the right amount. Well, we need to be very, very careful. Very, very careful. The Bible says that the multitude of them, uh, in, in chapter 2, verse 42 to 47, the multitude of them that believed were filled with one heart. They had the singleness of heart, singleness of mind to be able to help one another. But if your heart is not in the right place, it's hard work to help somebody else is what this passage is telling us. And then you see that in, in Acts 2 verse 47 it says, The Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Folk, I want to say publicly today, and it's not a, uh, something profound, that it is God who saves, because that word saved, the word sozo, it's the word that means it's God who saves us, but also keeps us safe thereafter. He is the one that delivers us and keeps us whole. It's got nothing to do with once saved, always saved, or, you know, Calvinism or Arminianism. It's got nothing to do with that. When God comes and penetrates one's heart, you want to do the things that are good. You want to stay away from things that are hypocritical, below the plumb line. And so, if I'm struggling, I'm able to come and say, "Brother, I'm struggling. Sister, I'm struggling." Rather than fake it, and be led to a lost eternity. And so, you begin to see the intention in Ananias and Sapphira's heart, the hypocrisy, uh, the, the the religious pretense. Of, of standing in the presence of the things of God and lying. And so there is that grave danger in all of that. And folk, here even at our own church, we must be careful that we don't think that we're okay because we're doing a little bit of good. Because we could be doing a little bit of good to be seen as okay. Our hearts must be in the right place, or else let's cease everything. As we do it, it should not be for us, it should be for the glory and honor and fame of the Lord Jesus Christ. We read in verse eleven there, they they, there was all that fell on the church, great fear came upon them. And I think that's the beginning of Praise to God when we realize that all and that word that's used there for all is the word uh, fear or phobos in the Greek. It's not phobia, but it's a positive understanding because, uh, sorry, a positive fear because of the right understanding on who God is. And it's a privilege to be able to serve Him and know that He is the one that is to be glorified and made famous. And it's not about us. And so in closing, let me just give you a couple of, of lessons uh, that are to be learned. I think that Christians should be respectful of being members of one another. We belong to the body of Christ. We should never misunderstand our identity. And we should be men and women who are disciplined with reference to holiness. Because God calls us to be holy. And so we should have the openness to say, that's not right, brother. That's not right, sister. So we are respectful of being part of the kingdom of God. Also think there is to be the seriousness about our religious profession, that if we are men and women of God, the name of Christianity needs to be upheld. If we, are se- if we say that we are men and women of God, we should understand that God desires our heart. We should make sure that we don't just give a portion of who we are to God, but give all of ourselves. What I mean by that is it's easy to just attend only on a Sunday and to say, well, that's who I am. But what God wants is my heart. He wants the whole of me, as it were. And when my heart is in the right place, it's easy to give. Uh, We don't have too many people coming to our front door knocking for food. Because that, I, I would be able to uh, give you this example with integrity. But I'm sure, and I hope I'm wrong, that if somebody were to come and knock on our heart's door and say, do you have any food? I would say, mate, you know what? Actually quite busy at the moment. Preparing a sermon, marking assignments, uh, watching the footy, watching State of Origin. Don't disturb me. Take five bucks and Woolies is down the road probably five bucks wouldn't get him too much and so to appease my conscience I confess to you I'd probably give him ten bucks I'd feel even better because he'd be able to buy something decent with ten bucks five packets of Tim Tams listen (laughs) he'd be able to buy something decent it would cost me under a dollar to butter and uh, put some spread on four slices of bread and give him something to eat it will cost me less than five bucks I know that but the effort you get the point I'm trying to make God wants our heart and as we give him our heart it's easy to give him our money think also good deeds need to be watched or else we'll become arrogant I've touched on that already you see we can easily receive praise for ourselves rather than give praise to God look what I did Grew up in the Greek church, as you know. Whenever you give something, you put your name on it. (laughs) Whenever you give something, you put your name on it. God asks me the question, where did that strength to be able to acquire that money, to be able to give back, come from, give glory to the source? And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And then, I think it's important to acknowledge that the devil cannot fill your heart and lead you into sin unless you let him. When he comes... And knocks on our heart's door. We can allow him to come in. And deceive us. Or we can see who it is at the door. And say no thank you. Greater is he. 1 John 4.4. 4, Greater is Christ that is in me. Than he that is in the world. And then I need to say that the church is to be holy. Holy. Other. It's to be like God. There is to be this holy penetration throughout The church. And so when when the world looks at the church, they realize it's godly men and women. And then Christian power, which heals one man, destroys another. Remember in Acts chapter 3, the layman was healed. Peter and Mark saying, Silver and gold. Do we have not or we have not, but in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And this man, putting his faith and trust in Jesus, because of the name of Jesus, rises up and walk. Ananias and Sapphira, totally opposite, the danger of deception. I'm about to pop this, I'm about to pop this balloon, so beware. Looks good, doesn't it? But it's filled with emptiness. Perhaps I won't pop it. I'll I'll get the biggest fright there. Do you get the point, folk? You get the point? No, I'm not. I'm too scared myself. It looks good. It looks good. But it's filled with emptiness. It's filled with air. and Ananias and Sapphira, I suggest to you, looked good on the outside. What they did was quite honoring. But it was filled with emptiness. The danger of deception. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for your word to our hearts. Thank you, Lord, that we've not been saved with silver or gold but because of your precious blood. Lord, it is easy for me to point a finger at Ananias and Sapphira. Lord, I pray that I might be found faithful in doing what you've called me to do. Lord, whether it is a little bit or a lot, may I not do it because of the pressure that I'm found under, Lord but may I do it as unto you. Lord, just as you healed that lame man, we know in the name of Jesus, you can touch us and heal us. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. We give you honor and glory in Jesus' precious name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church.